everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. What? Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation. Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury. Answer the phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh! I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I first fell in love. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could use someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. A snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do, and you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off-world. Captain Marvel. Unavailable. But I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Bitch, please, you've been to space. What do you want, Peter? I want to go back on my trip with the girl who I really like and tell her how I feel. MJ, I am Spider-Man. No, of course I'm not. I mean, it's kind of obvious. You're right, you may not be ready, but this is my responsibility. Saving the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die. I always feel like I'm putting my friends in danger. The world needs the next Iron Man. Are you going to step up or not? I gotta get you guys out of here! Get on the jet! Who are you? I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan! This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Good evening, webheads. Welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play, and however you prefer to listen to the show. We don't care, as long as you're here and you're with us, and we have a marvelous episode, another marvelous episode, and yes, I will never get tired of overusing that pun. We have an episode to talk about Spider-Man 
Far From Home. Yes, we've been teasing it for a couple weeks. We gave you our spoiler-free review last week. And uh, let's just say that we ain't holding back this week. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, maybe save this episode for later. We're going to be diving into heavy spoilers right off the bat here. And uh, yeah, the movie's good. Go see it. Just just trust us on this one. Um, Before we go any further... Of course, introductions are in order if you aren't familiar. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, it is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what's going on? Well, dude, you you were talking about trust us on this, and I'm like, who's us? Like, we, yeah, we, haven't, us? we haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> so, uh, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to be talking about Spider-Man, finally, uh, I saw like opening night. I was just that excited, and uh, I think you said that this was the first non-Star Wars movie that you've seen on an opening night as well. So I mean, the hype right. was real with this movie. Absolutely, yeah, it was big time. And they opened on a Tuesday, which was weird, but I wasn't complaining because hey, it worked out. Yeah, I never get to go to the movies on Friday, so Tuesday worked out a whole lot better. So I was happy about that. Yeah, yeah, and I, from what I understand, it's done really well for that Fourth uh, of July weekend. Being able to extend it from Tuesday through Saturday really helped it. You can call that a quote unquote weekend by doing it on Tuesday. So yeah, it's, it's, a it's giant opening weekend. It's, it's it's clever and yet also a really great money maker so i mean i'm not complaining because i got to see it i'm definitely gonna go see it again uh it's just one of those highly rewatchable movies but uh you and i aren't the only ones that are gonna be talking spoilers tonight no we we teased him a little bit last week by just submitting like a spoiler free thoughts but this guy happens to be one of the biggest spider-man nerds i know and it just doesn't seem right to do a Spider-Man episode without him. So back for more fun after sending us a little mini-review last week to help us with this full-fledged review, it's our very good friend, Mr. Jake Damon. What's up, guys? How's it going? I am so happy to be here. I'm sorry I couldn't be here last week, um, but I'm glad I got to send in a little clip. But I'm here for real. I did not send a life model decoy. I sent myself. <laughs> <laughs> LMD. Wrong part of the MCU, buddy. <laughs> Although they, they oh did make God. an LMD reference in this movie, didn't they? Uh, poss- possibly. I can't I think, remember. I know they may have kind of alluded to it or something. I, I just watched uh, Mr. Sunday movie's uh, spoiler video on it, and I can't remember if he mentioned that or not. Sometimes he misses things. It happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were there were a lot of things that were like you could consider them Easter eggs or nods to previous movies or other TV series or things that are still to come. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that that gets me so excited about this movie is it ties in a lot of previous stuff, both way past and recently past, but also kind of teases a little bit to some of the stuff that we can expect from the future of the MCU as well. And so to take all of those elements and then create the story that they did and tell it in the way that they did just all around. This is a very solid movie. It it really is. And it's, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this. And it just, it is a great film. It really, I think it's ranks high for me as far as the MCU goes and ranks definitely high for Spider-Man films. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. I think this is a really strong, Spider-Man sequel. 
Mm-hmm. It's, uh, in my opinion, probably one of the better sequels that we've had in the MCU. It Okay, I'm going to say this. It might be better than Spider-Man 2. Whew. Might. That's a tall order. Might. I, in my opinion, I think it's the second best Spider-Man 2 out of the three Spider-Man 2s we've got. <laughs> that's not bad because that, that's a pretty high bar mm-hmm. to meet with Spider-Man 2. And it's a pretty low bar to pass with the other one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if we're dishing out hot takes, I'm going to dish one out myself. I, I've seen those three films recently, and I've seen the Amazing Spider-Man films at some point. I don't recall when. I have seen a couple of those TV movies that are animated, and of course we've all seen Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Right. If we're talking about Spider-Man feature length as a franchise, I would put this at number two or number three. Yeah. Nice. I I, I, I still, like, hopefully this discussion will help me decide whether I'm going to put it at number two or number three. I think Spider-Verse still claims and will hold that top spot for the near future, but... There's not a whole lot of other competition out there as far as storytelling, visuals, quality of work, action sequences, cohesiveness, pace. There's just so many elements to this film that just seem to be firing on all cylinders. And I I really enjoyed everything that they gave me. Absolutely. Real quick, before we jump into the big discussion... We, we kind of have an announcement to make, don't we, Zach? Well, it's just, it's a simple thing, really. Um, I've, I have accepted a broadcasting job that will be taking up a lot of my time on Friday nights. And that's usually when we. By the way, let me interrupt podcast. you and just say you're not leaving the show for everyone that's heart just sang. No, thinking, no, no. Oh God, Zach is gone. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not gone. Just more of a hiatus, if you will. We'll try and record on other days of the week when we can, and there are some times when the broadcasting gig will happen on a Thursday instead of a Friday, so there's still opportunities for me to be around, but coming this fall, I will be the voice of a local high school football team, which is really cool for my sports journalism stuff, but not so cool for my schedule when it comes to podcasting. We do not want to put the show on hiatus because there is just so much stuff to talk about. We've got a very busy schedule. And so to help us out with that, uh, Jake has very kindly agreed to become a third voice here on IPC uh, for the foreseeable future. To be uh, another voice to, to bounce ideas off of, to help us host the program... Uh, to collaborate with us both on and off the air. Um, just anything that we would need, Jake's going to help us out with that. And so you're going to be hearing a lot more of him even after this discussion. And you might be hearing a little less of me come September or so. But we are going to continue to produce as high-quality programming as possible. That's why we brought Jake on. So, Jake, we are very excited to have you and excited to be discussing things with you from now until God knows when. Well, first of all, I want to say congrats on getting that job because that's really awesome. That sounds cool. It sounds like you're going to really enjoy that. And I am super happy to be able to join the team for a bit. And 
Um, you know, I've tried the solo podcasting thing, and to be honest, it's just really hard. It's really it sucks, man. I tried it too. Yeah, it's it's not not as fun as you might make it out uh, that you might think. Um, I think I just need to get a get plugged into a group, and I can do that here. And I'm thankful for the opportunity. Exactly. And you've been. I mean, I think we talked about this off air. I think you've been on the show more than anyone else. <laughs> Yeah, it's and like, we've had a lot of like we've had a lot of repeat guests, and I think you're on the top. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know I've been on enough guest times. Might as well just make me part of the team. And you actually, here's a little bit of trivia for you here. You were on the one episode that did not feature me or Zach. Remember that? Who, who else was it? Was it Chris? It was you and Chris yeah. <laughs> who did the Frasier, in, oh, <laughs> the yeah. infamous slash famous <laughs> Frasier episode, oh, was which was great, which was great, even though I've never watched Frasier. It was a fun listen. What are you um, doing with your life? You need to watch Frasier. <laughs> I know, I know. But so you've actually done this show without us. So crazy. So this is where I sign off and Zach signs off. You can just do the show All right, on your guys, own. The Jake Damon show is now in session. I know you said, <laughs> I know you said you didn't like solo podcasting. We're putting you to the test now. No, I'll no, do just, it. Just kidding, Hey, I'll but, do it. If I can bring the followers from an, another podcast along with, with it, just, just kill off the podcast and just keep all the, all the listeners. Jeez. <laughs> Undo all the hard work you've done. I'm I'm rethinking this decision now. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. But this is I think this is going to be a lot of fun as we've already had a lot of fun with you in previous episodes. So having you on a, in more of a full-time basis is going to be a lot of fun and and help switch things up and help us uh, keep the show on track because Schedules get crazy. My schedule's crazy. Zach's schedule is really crazy right now and it's just, you know, trying to juggle this all thing. So a third person definitely helps us out in you know, saying, hey, the show will go on no matter what, even if I'm not here or Zach's not here, whatever, we can kind of bounce off each other. So I think it's going to work for the foreseeable future as a really, really way, good way to keep getting the show out to you guys. Well, I mean, the, the SWU kind of sets a really good precedent because if Chris can't make it, you know, you and Dominic still do the show. If right. Dominic's right. traveling, you and Chris do the show and bring on, you know, somebody like Kieran maybe. So, you know, there's there's definitely ways that the show can still go on even if one of the three voices is absent. So if there's a time when you're traveling, it could be just Jake and me doing a show. Or if Jake is out with his wife for the night, then it's just back to you and me for a night. It's it's not something that's like concrete, set in stone. All three voices have to be there every single time. But if they are, great conversation. If they're not, great. We still have a show to do. So... Yeah, that's exactly. that's what you can look forward to uh, for the foreseeable future here on the IPC podcast. One Mr. Jake Damon merging with the IPC gang and going on all kinds of crazy adventures. The first one being to uh, where do they go first? Venice. They go to Venice. They go to they go to Italy. Right. They go. Didn't didn't they go to Prague as well? Like they go to they all kinda, kinds of yeah. crazy places in this movie. London. And London, yeah, and they're shot on location. Can you imagine that being your job where you're you're an actor or an actress and you get to go to places like Italy, Prague, and London for your job? Wait, are you telling me they literally almost destroyed the London Bridge? 
they literally almost destroyed the London Bridge. No, no, I think they did. They did. That tower in Venice, it's 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 gone. They, they are the, the reason. Okay, here's here's a time travel paradox for you. They are the reason for the origins of London Bridge's falling down. <laughs> it's a time loop. It is. It just did not happened. see that coming. See, that's why the MCU reigns supreme is because they spare no expense. They're like, we are going to London. We are destroying this bridge. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like over there with a bulldozer right now knocking down the London Bridge. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was destroyed in the movie, so we got to destroy it in real life. Yeah, now. exactly. It's like, well, oh, I mean, it's going to be $200 million to repair the damage. It's okay. It's in the budget. I mean, seriously, though. I mean, they could probably fit like... Seven hundred million into the budget, nine hundred million. You, I, I dare say that that Marvel, the MCU, is going to be the first billion-dollar movie project, and it will still turn a profit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's I going agree. to happen. One of these days, the budget is going to reach one billion dollars. Disney's going to front it. The people will go watch it, and Disney will make. Two billion off of it. I here's the thing. I can see that something like ha- like that happening, uh, you know, ten years from now, or even you know, five or seven years from now, when they do their next big Avengers event or whatever. Probably ten years from now, I can see something like that happening. I mean, I think Infinity War or Endgame or both of them were like the most expensive movies mm-hmm. ever made. Think about all, all so. the stars that they had to pay. That's the thing, like, all people, and, like, there's some pretty big star power just in the Spider-Man movie, too. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, for that one that one flashback scene, I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. got a hefty check oh, yeah. just, for, just for using his likeness. Makes me wonder how much Jake, <laughs> yeah. Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal got paid for this one. You gotta wonder. You gotta wonder. I want, okay, I know I'm jumping into spoilers here. I want him back. Want him oh, back. Bring him back. They, I don't care... They, I don't care that they seemingly confirm that he's dead in this movie. I don't care. He he needs to come back. He's the master of deception. Bring him back. He survived because Jake Gyllenhaal killed it in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love Mysterio. I love the character. Is he the master of deception, though? Because I found that bastard out in about ten minutes. <laughs> I will say, I, I mean, I don't think I mean, I guess there was a lot of people that went in this movie going, oh, well, Mysterio, this thing guy seems like really cool. He's a nice villain. I think most people went in with the, oh, Mysterio, you son of a gun. You, you're playing us all. You're trying to trying to put a, pull the wool over our eyes, and it ain't going to work. Um, I was surprised at how, like, likable he was, like, for the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, up until that scene where Peter walks out of the bar, I'm like, this guy, like, yeah, Peter, give him the glasses. Like, this guy deserves it. Like, you totally bought into it. Um, and I almost was like, I almost could level it as a criticism. It feels like a left turn for the character that he's so genuine and so, like, everyone believes him and believes in him around mm-hmm. him. And he makes that turn in the bar, <laughs> stands on the bar, is like, oh, yeah, this and guy and this guy. And it's, I mean... It's great. It's 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 fantastic. The the thing that he to take a character that is that well liked. I love that well about any character that they can take a character and just make them really, really likable and just turn it on their head. And now you hate them. You hate their guts. Mm-hmm. I guess we are talking spoilers now, aren't we? I just dropped a couple. Just, right just there, dropped. So. A, just dropped them right there. I hey, like... I gave like two warnings. All right, if you are still listening, you 
you you asking you're, for. You're it. listening at your own risk now because uh, I'm about to make a big comparison, the one that I've been waiting to make all day. Uh, I posted this in the Peacekeeper Corps Facebook group that was like, okay, tonight on the show, we're going to be discussing the live-action version of this movie, and <laughs> I posted a picture of Syndrome from The Incredibles. <laughs> And people were like, what? They made a live-action Incredibles? Yeah, yeah. What? Okay, so in some regards, to me, there are certain aspects of this film that make me feel like it is a live-action rendition of The Incredibles. You, you've you got the, the family adventure aspect with the kids going on a trip together. And the big thing, obviously, is a superhero who's not really a superhero they're just using technology to make all the other supers think that they are a hero. Mm-hmm. Right. And now that hero has turned villain because of circumstances in their life from previous encounters with superheroes that has kind of reneged them on the thought of supers in general. Like, it's it's not that far-fetched of a comparison between Mysterio and Syndrome. He had a really bad experience with Tony Stark, and Buddy had a really bad experience with Mr. Incredible. So now he's just basically trying to eliminate supers from the inside, if you will. Try, trying, to, trying to get the inside track to be able to become the Avenger, not just an Avenger. He wants to become the Avenger so that everybody thinks he's the next Tony Stark when he's really not. Yeah. Yeah, I Yeah, he he's he's and like he's trying to like beat the Avengers. Like he's trying to be better than them. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, we're going to create like an Avengers level like threat and I'm going to defeat it." Like so his whole thing is like and kind of like working off the and I think this movie one of the things I love about this movie is the fact that it works well within this universe while telling its own story. I think it works well post Endgame. I think it's a really perfect time to introduce Mysterio as this wannabe hero in the aftermath of everyone loves the Avengers. Everyone loves heroes. Like, there's no, like, debate about the Sokovia Accords or whatever. They saved the world. Like, they saved half of the of uh, all life in the universe. Like, there's no question that people love these guys. So, and now they're not really there. The Avengers are just kind of split up and they're not really a thing. There's, you know, we can assume there's really not even an Avengers team at this point. Um, that's really established. So having him come in and go, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to overtop them, and I'm going to save the world in my own way, um, I think was great. I think just the way this movie kind of intertwines with, you know, and, and one of the biggest, and getting with, uh, with, with Peter Parker just himself as a character, I think. One of my criticisms, and also one of the things I liked about Homecoming was the fact that it dealt so much with Peter and Tony and that relationship and then having this movie really perfectly kind of be a send off for that character and have Tony completely you know just gone from the story now and having Peter having to deal with that I think was really great mm-hmm. I think they did it well I think they established it enough that Peter because they had in the trailers like oh who's going to be the next Iron Man I'm glad this movie like straight up goes no you're not going to be the next Iron Man. You're going to be Spider-Man. That's who you are. You're going to be yourself. I loved that. Yeah. I really loved 
their take on Mysterio. Um, obviously, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, who doesn't? He's a great actor. Um, one of my favorite movies with him in it is Nightcrawler. And there were so many moments and scenes and lines in this that reminded me of his character in Nightcrawler. Just kind of this, like, you think he's normal at first, possibly, but then he kind of reveals this crazy side to him, and he's a little nuts. And I, I really thought that was the right way to go with Quentin Beck as a character. And it you know the mcu never ceases to amaze me with how they take a character pretty much any character that seems kind of crazy from the comic books and like how are you going to make that realistic you know they did it with captain america very well they did it with batrock the leaper i don't know if you remember him but he was mm-hmm. that french french oh, yeah. guy from uh from uh the winter soldier and they made him realistic and you know once again they do it here with mysterio and obviously he's kind of like a crazy looking dude with that fish bowl on his head which i think is an awesome look and i you know i I remember dreaming of a day when that would be a live action uh thing you know how would they do that and they did it so great here and you know the whole backstory is that he looks like this because that's the suit they made up to make him look like this interdimensional superhero guy and you know in reality he's just this guy in this uh (laughs) this motion capture suit and with some drones projecting the suit onto him and um and he's this disgruntled stark employee which is such a great backstory it's it works so well for the mcu he created barf you know he doesn't like that tony stark called it barf so now he's a super villain um and you know it's a, a little silly but even even so i think it works in the context of this being a comic book movie and you know with comic book stories and borrowed characters and things it's gonna get a little hammy sometimes and that's totally fine um one of the best scenes i think a lot of people some people i've heard don't like this scene but one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the bar scene when peter parker walks out and it's revealed that quentin beck is lying and um he kind of reveals his plan and there's so much exposition which yeah a little bit you know not not the best way to you it, sly dog you caught me monologuing <laughs> there you go there you go except nobody's there to stop him from monologuing and i loved the whole thing i loved the whole thing i could watch jake gyllenhaal talk like you know about his evil plans for days but uh yeah in the end mysterio super cool i'm glad that they uh used him so the thing that I really enjoyed about that particular scene, it, w- it was the reveal that the bar was just an illusion because it kind of opened the door for the rest of the movie to be very illusion heavy, which I thought was uh, playing to the advantage of the of the CGI team really well. Because everything that happened after that was just, it was, it was mind boggling, some of the graphics that they yeah. threw in our faces. Um, but the other element that I really liked was how far back they went in the MCU to show just how disgruntled uh, Stark employees have been over the years. Because not only do we have uh, a barf that we're mentioning from Civil War, but then we've also got one of the scientists that was working for Obadiah Stane way back in the 2008 Iron Man film. Which... I did not realize this until very recently, but that person is Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, the kid from A Christmas Story. What? No way. What? Yep. Are you serious? I was shocked to, to realize that. 
That is the second time I've been shocked about this movie. The first time was seeing that in the theater, going, what the hell? They got that guy back? Yeah. <laughs> like, how is this even possible? And then now you're telling me that that's Ralphie. Holy crap. Yeah, this is uh this is a this is a nutty film. See, and, I know in him, the best way possible. I know him as uh Ming Ming from Elf. Oh yeah. He's the he's the floor supervisor at the North Pole when Buddy the Elf is working there. That's so that's so funny. He's uh he's, he's he's making a name for himself no matter how obscure it might be sometimes. <laughs> it's one of those ones that's like what? Like you get really surprised over it. Yeah. You know who we you know, you know who we need in the MCU now. If we're if we're going with those what obscurities, I really feel like we need someone like Amy Poehler in these films. She would be. Yeah. Good. Do you think she would have a comedic role, or do you think it would be kind of like a more serious role? It would probably be a little of both. I basically picture Leslie No being a politician in the MCU. Like a space politician, like like a yeah, some, like a, like a from planet from Nova Prime even. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I I could totally see that happening, but yeah, Nova I'm, could be like a quasi political thriller, and one of the main characters could be like her running for office or something. Lester Knopf. <laughs> that would be her name. <laughs> I am down for this. I I love me some Leslie Nope. Oh, dude, I've been rewatching that series because I have a feeling that'll be one of the next shows to get pulled from Netflix. Did y'all hear that Friends is leaving Netflix oh, yeah. now, too? Friends is leaving and The Office is leaving. It's only a matter of time before Parks and Rec leaves, too. Got to get all these things on DVD while I still can. I'm doing that, man. I've got Friends and Parks and Rec. I'm getting The Office next. And actually, I'm thinking of getting Friends on the Blu-ray just so that I've got it in HD. You sound like an old person. I'm getting it on the Blu-ray. <laughs> 4X optical zoom, <laughs> SD card. There do you, you do you remember do you remember that scene from Up? Oh, was it uh, what's his, the kid? It's when it's when Carl's watching TV right before the kid shows up, and they're just it's like the TV is just spouting off technical terms that an old person would never know, and it's things <laughs> like it's just like 4X optical zoom. SD card and just keeps <laughs> listing these things that Carl is just looking at it with like a blank expression like I have no idea what I'm watching. <laughs> it's one of my, one of my favorite oh. low key moments in that movie. But uh, we're supposed to be talking about another movie. Back to back to Far From Home. Uh, ben, your thoughts on Mysterio? Oh, I, I, as I've kind of alluded to, um, I, I loved him as a character. I think I have. A few qualms with this character. I think, like, like I said, qualms. I think I'm I'm not. Uh, what, what do you what do you, you have a problem with my wordplay here? I've got a qualm with your qualms, sir. I like the pronunciation. If you sounded out qualm, <laughs> qualm, <laughs> qualm. Like, Sounds like uh, yeah, a koala trying to hum. Koala. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually went there. We actually went there. We're analyzing the pronunciation of qualm. <laughs> Remind me not to use big words around you too. Um, <laughs> my thoughts on Mysterio. I I I love the character. I think what they do with him and how his how he uses his thing because like I know in the comics it's like oh he uses illusions sometimes magic sometimes whatever, and in the comics he's like a 
uh, special effects artist, like a disgruntled special effect artist. And I think, like, okay, they could do a lot with that, but, like, I think it's way makes way more sense to... You already have this technology in this universe that can create, you know, virtual worlds like what Tony did in Civil War. Like, why not go all on that and that? And then bringing it back around to, okay, this is the guy that developed that because... You know, Tony has a big company. He's he's you know he's not doing everything, and this guy you know, and <laughs> Tony calls it barf. Like, yeah, that would kind of suck mm-hmm. if that was your life's work, something you you know worked on. Like Tony just builds things just on a, on a weekend, no big deal, and just names them stupid names, and he doesn't think about the fact that you know there's people that don't <laughs> that aren't nearly as uh, smart as he is, and you know do these kind of things. So I think it works. I did kind of groan a bit when they started connecting him to, like, oh, we're here because Tony Stark screwed us over. Felt it was one thing that I've always had a qualm with. Things say I used it again. There you go. Um, one thing I've always had a problem with the Iron Man movies is like, it seems like every one of those starts with we're going to tell you a flashback and show you someone that Tony Stark screwed over, and then that he's going to be the villain, <laughs> and it's basically. <laughs> That's what happens in this movie is except Iron Man is dead and he's st- and they're still mad and they're going to screw over the, you know, Tony Stark's kid, basically. <laughs> that, that's basically what I've noticed, too, is like Homecoming and Far From Home have both been Spider-Man versus people mad at Tony Stark. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it's like this is like Iron Man four and five, like except <laughs> Iron Man's not around anymore. Right. Um, so I it, it, look. I love Mysterio. I love Vulture. I, I I want Mysterio to be alive so we can get Sinister Sticks eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is just a bit a little nitpick. Then I'm like, ah, did you really have to go there? But at the same time, being it makes sense. Being that Tony Stark, being a huge figure that he was, and the influence and the bad choices that he made, you know, it makes sense that there a lot of people are going to dislike him mm-hmm. and going to be out to kill him sometimes, especially in a world with superheroes. But Mysterio himself, I think, was great. I think the use of... Because I was trying to figure out, okay, how is he actually doing this? I think the the use of the holograms, the use of drones, stuff like that, was actually destroying stuff. Like, br- a brilliant concept. Brilliantly, I think, you couldn't have done Mysterio better mm-hmm. in, on screen in a live-action format. Um, and that one scene where... Spider-Man goes into the place, into the warehouse, and he's going to meet with Fury, and then it just all hell breaks loose. Like, that scene, that's top five MCU mo- 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 mm-hmm. moments for me. Like, it's astounding. Like, it is like, what the hell? What the hell? What the heck? Like, j- it just keeps going and going and going, and you're just like, you don't know. Like, you're as confused as he uh, he is mm-hmm. in regards to what is real, yep. what is actually real. Like, the one scene that got me was like, they, he ends up in the parking lot, and you know Nick Fury shows up, and the SWAT team comes in, and they start arresting Mysterio, and he's like, "Oh, well, who else did you tell?" And Fury walks up to him, and and Peter's just like, "Like, I don't know. I told this and this and this, and like, oh, they." And you're like, "Oh my god!" He just like, "Way to go, Peter!" So, like, you just ruined it. But like anybody else in that situation would have done the same thing because it was so real. But I think at the same time, though, it works better with Peter because it seems like a natural teenage thing to tell the adult in charge the situation. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's just you know he's he's literally been thrown for a loop. Like he's he's at wit's end with that. He doesn't know which way is up. Yeah, I th- and just just the whole you know and going into this almost fantasy realm where he's like in mirrors and had kind of reflections. Such a cool pun scene. intended to to uh, okay. Ray in the Last Jedi. You know what it also kind of reminds me of now that I think about it. Have either of you seen Man of La Mancha? Mm-mm. No. It's a it's it. it's a, it's an older uh, musical that tells the story of Don Quixote de la Mancha, oh. and he's like, I mean, if you if you know the story, he goes and he he fights a windmill and then he he sings to. Wait, you don't know the story of Don Quixote? He fights a windmill. He fights a windmill. Did you not even watch the wishbone s- of this? I got. I, I missed that wishbone. Dude, the story of Don Quixote is trippy as hell. So you, because you're telling he, me there's a donkey in... named Hote? Yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Just people kidding. Who don't speak Spanish drive me crazy. No, no, no. What's it about? I want to know. It's about this guy who has read so many stories about knights that he believes himself to be an anointed Spanish knight and goes out on conquests. And his best friend, Sancho Panza, goes on these adventures with him to kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. But his family gets worried sick about him because they think that eventually this fantasy is going to turn into a real-world problem and is going to get him killed. So he goes out on a few of these adventures, and one of his first ones, it, he he comes to this part of uh, part of the country that he doesn't recognize, and he sees something off in the horizon, and he believes it to be a giant. So he decides to joust after it, much to the chagrin of his friend Sancho, who says it's just a windmill. He ends up fighting said giant and ends up losing the fight to said windmill. <laughs> wow. Oh, he loses the fight. Okay. Yeah. He, All yeah. Right. He 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 loses that fight. And uh, in in his um, disappointment or whatever, he goes to a, a tavern. And one of the things that an anointed knight is supposed to do is find a, uh, a, a noble woman that he is supposed to serve. And all of his uh, knightly duties are in the service of this noble woman. Uh, this tavern that he goes to has a wench, but because of his illusionary imagination... He believes her to be his Dulcinea, which is like his his duchess. Uh-huh. And he, he uh-huh. pledges his service and on all of his knightly responsibilities to this tavern wench. <laughs> and so his family kind of eventually has it up to their eyebrows and hires a psychiatrist, if you will. Somebody, somebody that's a, a man of the mind. And his goal is to try and send Don Quixote home so that he won't go on any more of these misfit adventures. One of his tactics is to challenge him to a joust, and if he loses the joust, Quixote has to go home. But by some weird stroke of luck, Quixote actually ends up winning that joust. Whoa. Yeah, and so he gets to continue being a knight. But that guy doesn't give up. So his next venture, this is where it ties into Spider-Man, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Tangents with Zach. You're welcome, everybody. His his next venture to try and and convince him is he kind of challenges him to like a one-on-one battle, if I remember my story correctly. 
but he kind of cheats and uses uh, his shield as a mirror. He, he like turns his shield into a mirror. And then there are other people that he's hired that also have mirrors for shields. But they're like those funny house type mirrors that distort the image. And his imagination is kind of running away with him anyway. So every time he looks into one of those mirrors, he sees a different illusion, a different version of himself. But finally, when he looks into the, the shield again of the guy who's supposed to be trying to bring him home, he sees himself for who he really is, which is a nobody. And he kind of like has a mental collapse and gets taken home. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's it's a really big mental trip, which is basically what Far From Home was during these final sequences. You've got all these different sceneries, you've got all these different things that you think that you're seeing, you've got all these different illusions. It's like being in a house of mirrors or being in one of those fun houses where you can't tell what's real and what's not. Like, he couldn't even tell what was solid ground in some instances. That's mm-hmm. how much the projections were messing with his mind. And when you were talking about, you know, the the illusionary tactics, it just for some reason reminded me of an old musical that I haven't seen in about 10 years, but I still remember many details about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's funny about that whole sequence is, like, it's just an abandoned warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, really none of that was real. But it was all, you know, felt real. And it it caused Peter to react to it, which in turn, you know, put him in a lot of trouble. And, you know, he's fallen here and there. And, you know, it's it's just a great sequence that you, you don't know. And the whole thing about, like, you're back. And there's that one shot where he falls out of the building and he's just standing there. And it's just like this peace and quiet of, is it over? Is it over? And then it nope. just gets even crazier after that. Yeah, and that's another thing that I love is that they really stuck to comic book accuracy here as far as like what what he can do to Spider-Man and it's mostly psychological, you know? It's mostly like what is real, what is not real. Uh, good luck figuring it out. And and they did that really well here. Exactly. And and, and it's all about Peter trusting his tingle. His Peter tingle. And Peter tingle. Oh boy. I loved that so much. Yep. I loved I loved Peter Tingle and I loved Night Monkey. Night Monkey. Night was Monkey. Great. I was mad Night because Monkey, save I bu- us Night Monkey. I bought a pack of Doritos the other day and it had Spider Man stuff on it and there's this thing you can like enter to win or whatever and it says unlock your spider sense and I'm like, shouldn't that say unlock your Peter Tingle? The, the the marketing is just ah yeah it, it's 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 one of those where it's like if if you actually put that on the on the branding it kind of gives away some of the elements of the film but if you don't you're missing out on a really great opportunity yeah uh, Peter Tingle was in the thing I don't think it's a big spoiler um but Sony is doing all the promotional so you can't expect too much <laughs> come on Sony step up your game. I I I was happy though uh, yeah. because I I don't think at least in my lifetime unless I'm lucky I don't think I'll ever be able to buy a pack of Doritos again that has Mysterio on it. Those look pretty epic. Pretty I awesome. Have to say. Yep. Yeah. And just Mysterio's costume oh my is fantastic, and I love the fact that you have them going. Oh, it's like uh, what was it? Iron Man and Thor wrapped up in yeah. one. Like they're trying to make that comparison. It's like 
well, yeah, of course. Like, that's exactly what it's supposed exactly. to be. It's supposed to be emulating those characters, a kind of a combination of, like, if... <laughs> Like if literally that's the, the 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 objective here is if someone was just sitting around and wanted to create a new superhero, a fake superhero within a real superhero universe, he would look like Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Just weird enough and just just off enough to where he looks different, but also has a lot of the same elements of the thing. And I um, wonder, which I is, wonder how they yeah. were going to incorporate the green smoke too, but like. You know, because in the in the comics, it's kind of like a thing where the green smoke appears and and he'll like disappear into it, or things will appear out of it, or thing. It's like a distraction technique. It's theatrical, you know. And I think that yes, it was used theatrically here in the holograms and stuff to make it look like that is what was like propelling him. It looked really cool when he's flying through the air and it's coming out his feet and stuff. It looks really cool. But, you know, once you get into that, that dream sequence, I call it a dream sequence, but it's a, an illusion sequence, um, you know, it's used more for things like, like you know, there's the moon, but, oh, here comes the green smoke, and it's actually Mysterio, and cool transitions like that. I thought it was really well done. What's interesting to me is, like, some of the more subtle scenes. Mm. Like, like, you'll have, like, the one scene where Mysterio flies up and then sits next to Peter. Yeah, great scene. And they have a little talk. Like, is Mysterio not even there? Right. Like, is that a hologram? And, like, if he's not there, then, like, Mysterio's taking a big risk. Like, thinking, well, Peter's not going to touch me. (laughs) His hand will go right through him. Like, how does he... Like, it's really trippy to go back and watch this movie knowing what we know in regards to, like, how to do that, how to do this, you know, is he real? Like, right. you can assume that, like, anytime he's flying around, he's a hologram. There there are a few things in here, like any movie, where if you think about it too much, then it'll you'll start to ask questions and be like, wait a second. And that's one of them, I think. Really? Right, it's like, <laughs> I don't... I, uh, I don't believe in this world anymore. Um, but things like that, where he's sitting on the, on the thing, and things like, if you were Peter, the... To, to, for that interaction to be believable first you can't touch him second of all you have to hear the voice coming from his face you know like is there a small drone in the where oh, his face is emitting a noise you know and another thing that I thought of uh, I, for, I think it was yesterday I was thinking about this if Peter is fighting that fire elemental and it's all you know, I understand that the drones are doing damage and stuff, but are they creating fire? Like, do you think he would be able to feel heat? You know, like, where's the heat coming from? I, I assumed, I, and see, they only ever showed the drones, like, shooting things. Yeah. But I assumed, because I am the type of nerd that creates solutions to the plot holes. So I'm thinking flamethrowers. Yeah, yeah. Elon, like, Elon Musk flamethrowers, yeah. no less. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, like, whatever... I mean, they're obviously, like, really sophisticated, so I'm thinking, like, whatever he needs them to do, they'll just do or have, like, special... Like, they're... they're yeah. how, how many thousands e- of them Even are. so, I'm okay, like, hanging up my, my disbelief uh, and just accepting that, like, you know what? They probably... They probably have a way to do it, and I just can't think of it. But, yeah, flamethrowers for that, probably true. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with this movie just in regards to like 
I think people are gonna be looking at and go, "How did he do that? What's going on there? What was?" This? Oh yeah, when when I go oh, see it for a second time this weekend, hopefully I'm gonna be looking very closely at every single interaction that Peter has with Mysterio and vice versa, and what Mysterio is doing to see like what is actually going on there. Because you can assume any time yeah, love... he's flying, it's fake. Yeah, you yeah you'd have to be like he can't actually fly. I think there's certain instances where. Like he's like has maybe like w- could he be picked up by the drones mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, and floated around maybe and maybe that's what was going on in the balcony I don't know um, as you said we're nerds we're thinking way too far into this it's well and there's not that big there's of a deal way too many other pieces of the movie besides Peter and Beck. Oh really? Like there's there's the whole subplot about how he wants to tell MJ how he feels. Uh-huh. There's the whole subplot about ghosting Nick Fury, which is not a good idea. <laughs> Apparently not. And then there's also uh the the sub subplot of Happy making advances with Aunt May, which was just creepy as heck. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Cuz I'm I'm like I'm like wait, 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 wait. Wasn't Tony flirting with her and now happy is flirting with her. Tony's dead. So he's, he's out of the way now. All I can say is that I am not begrudging happy whatsoever because if you can, if you can land Marissa Tomei, man, you got my respect. Well, but it didn't sound like he landed her because at the end of the movie, she was like, just a summer fling. (laughs) But he tried. They're they're both widows. They're both widows. (laughs) You know, he she just lost Uncle Ben. He just lost Tony. Um, so they're a perfect match. Wow. No, yeah, I I give him kudos for trying. I did hate to see his heart die a little bit when she said it was a summer fling, though. Yeah, his his heart sank. His, he like just completely slouched in the couch and was like, "Whoa." Like, is that is that, on, is that really what you Come think on, of Aunt me? May. I it's like I just saved your freaking nephew from destruction in London, and I'm just a summer fling to you. Wow, Aunt May. Wow. Yeah, but see, I don't think they <sighs> shut the door on it completely. I think that they they left it open ended. You know, I think I think maybe we'll see a little more in the the happy May relationship. Hopefully. Well, I think there's also some poetic irony in the fact that you have. You know Ned and uh, what's her name? God, uh, Betty Brant getting together and then breaking up before the end of the movie, um, and then you have what's going on between Aunt May and, and and Happy. I think, and then on top of it all off, Peter really wants to be with someone but has the most trouble with it, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately ends up in the right place, whereas everyone else is not so much. Yeah, yeah, it's like. I don't know a romantic comedy in certain instances, mm-hmm. especially especially with Ned. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Oh, man. Ugh. oh man! Some of that is just <laughs> cringeworthy. Where you're just like they're sitting next to each other and they're like, "I miss you, I miss you too." Like, get it together. <laughs> and he's like later going. Like, I remember when I first fallen up, fell in love. Is like. You fell in love like a day ago. I gotta say, all of the parts that I cringed at where he was like, hey, baby, and she was like, yeah, baby, I realized, wait, my brother probably feels the same way about me and my wife, because we are always talking to each other like that, and my brother, <laughs> my brother hates it, and 
he <laughs> always looks like he wants to go throw up and uh i don't i don't blame him now i understand now i love it i love it but i, I that was props to those actors too mm-hmm. like all great acting all around but like they can they totally like sell it um and they're so great and and also speaking of of love um mj mm-hmm. i really liked your character and i i was not totally sold on her character in in uh in homecoming i think she, she kind of you know she kind of all over the place she's kind of just an a-hole is <laughs> from certain parts of it and you know and then she ends up being mj i'm like why you know what are you doing you know you could have just had like she's not mary jane but she's mj i don't get it but uh i can safely say she's the best version of mj um ben her name is michelle jones in this universe <sighs> i honestly don't care either way like i I think as long as we got MJ, it's cool. I, I I am a little sad it's not you know Mary Jane proper, but I I love uh, I love Zendaya in the role, and I love you know the the spin on her character. It's not I I don't think it's so far off from the original version of her that you lose what she brought to the story of Peter Parker, and I think that what you know what happens in this movie is she figures out who peter parker really is and you know she was only 60 what 67 percent sure or something like that um and she figures it out and it's I, I think they took the whole mj peter parker thing to the next level in this movie which was nice to see i'm glad that it didn't stay stagnant and they were in the same spot they were at the end of homecoming they moved that story along um and you know i think that I'm excited to see what comes next in that that storyline. Well, especially yeah. considering yeah, what we saw in the mid credit scene. Yes, they're together now, but Peter's got a whole can of worms that he's got to take care of now, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk. I, I know, Zach, you, you don't have a whole lot of time left with us, so let's go ahead and talk about those post credit scenes really, really quick. Sure. Because there's a lot to unpack, and we'll get back to some other stuff a little bit later. But uh, I think the biggest thing, you're walking out of the theater, you're thinking about these scenes. So, first of all, and it's funny, I, I've told you guys, I was just tweeting the other day. <laughs> J.K. Simmons shows up at the Spider-Man Far From Home premiere. <laughs> and he's just there. I'm like, I'm like, guys, he's right there. Just cast him. Just bring Joe J. 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 Jameson back. And I can't pronounce the name. Um... But, you know, people are talking about, oh, you know, it'd be great to have, like, Ice Cube as J. Jonah Jameson in the key. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great, but also just freaking get J.K. Simmons. It'd be great. There's only one person perfect enough to play him. Exactly. And, obviously, Kevin Feige and company understood that because you get to the end of this movie, and there he is. (laughs) And my theater erupted in applause, and I applauded right along with them because... That was an amazing reveal. I have some issues with how he's introduced, but I think just having him in his universe. Finally, mention of the Daily Bugle. J. Jonah Jameson, he's there. He's being crazy J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons. Um, it's perfect. The two... The, da- the Daily Bugle dot net. 
Y- yes. That's a big it's, thing there. It's That's like a- it's like the, the, the Babylon B of news or something, if you will. It's like it's like the it's uh, like the it's like their version of the onion. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's absolutely it is absolutely if you look at the background he's on and the way he's done up Alex Jones. It is absolute it is absolutely riffing on Alex Jones, which I'm gonna say I don't like. I don't really like that. That's a little too real for me. Like, I'm okay with, like, them making fun of Alex Jones because Alex Jones is a... a, He's a a little out there. But, but, like, I have a problem with them turning J. Jonah Jameson into that. And, like, in the movie, they're like, oh, this is the controversial. Like, it's really heavy on, like, yeah, this is basically Alex Jones in this universe. And I'm like, I, I... Like, maybe I'm just holding on to the hope that... We'll get to the point that Peter Parker is working for the Daily Bugle as a thing. We'll get that classic Spider-Man story. And maybe we'll never get that. And I feel like that kind of closes the door on this because you've got that. Like, why would Peter Parker go to work for Alex Jones? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very conflicted about that because I think I love that he's in this movie. I love that he's in this universe finally as J.K. Simmons. But at the same time, I'm not sure exactly where they're going with this. I just want to say this two loudest cheering moments in any movie that I've ever been to from the audience. One, just a couple months ago in Endgame when the portals open and everybody comes through. Two, mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons. Every, I think I was deaf for like five seconds. Like I could not hear a thing <laughs> after that. Um, obviously people are happy that he's back including me i am so what theaters do you guys go to what nobody nobody uh felt the moment in your theater it was like it was like a smattering of applause like (laughs) less than a third let me guess everybody was like kind of like you know light light claps and like maybe the occasional whoop you know that kind of thing but, like, are people in the Dallas area just too sophisticated to cheer in the movie theater? Because then that makes me kind of look like an ass. But <laughs> maybe are you, do you are you having, like, did you accidentally get transported to, like, Asia or like <laughs> Japan? Because I've heard over there that, like, that's the biggest compliment. If nobody says anything, like, that's what they, that's their, uh, that's their applause. There's no applause. I, I don't know, man. It, it sure seemed that way. Well, here, here's but, the thing. Some of those people could have been too old to appreciate it or too young because you got to remember these those movies are almost 20 years old at this point. But I went on yeah. opening night. Yeah. I don't know. The people that really wanted to see it are there on opening night. Yeah, true. I'm just – I'm kind of baffled by how it was because I wasn't the ass in the movie because I was sitting about sixth row back out of like maybe nine or ten – and I can kind of see over the shoulders of other people. Mm-hmm. There were at least four people that were on their phones regularly during this movie. Doug. At least. And it was like people in the front two or three rows. And I'm just kind of like, yo, get off of Facebook. <laughs> They're like live <laughs> No, I wanted, it, I wanted it to be one of those sequences. You know how like they, they do that thing? In like movie trailers and stuff from like old movie trailers where if somebody's being disruptive, you're like, "Hey, down in front!" <laughs> yep. I kind of wanted to do that and be like, "I can see you," because it was just it was so frustrating that this is opening night, people. 
Yeah. Put your phone away for two hours. That's the thing that, that drives me crazy. I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent. But seriously, what has our society come to that you cannot make yourself unavailable for two damn hours to watch a movie? There is such a thing known as internet addiction, Zach. People suffer from it. And then everybody around can them wait for the too. freaking Blu-ray and watch it at home and be on their devices all they want because nobody else is going to tell them to get off of it when it's a one to five ratio instead of a one to five hundred ratio. Can I just say that I feel like it should be a punishable offense to have your movie or have your uh, phone out at a movie, especially when you're in the front rows. I'm I'm almost okay with it if you're in the back row and there's nobody behind you who can't see past your glaring light screen that you didn't turn the Man, didn't even have the I, decency I wish. to turn the brightness down on i wish i had an alamo draft house near me because that is there's no kids allowed in alamo draft house and if they catch you on your phone like twice you're out of there like like there's no no tolerance for that kind of stuff oh man that sounds glorious i think there's one close by to me i'm gonna have to check it out now imagine watching a movie with a beer and a nice meal and no kids and no phones allowed that's that that's like the perfect movie going experience i think and see like when it comes to movies like movie theaters like i like a crowd i like experience i had a big crowd because it was opening day and like they were pretty they were pretty into it and like I'm not the kind of person like, shh, be quiet, don't say anything. Like, I don't want deathly quiet. Like, if I wanted that, I'll stay at home. But (laughs) as long as, like, I remember going to Black Panther, and Black Panther, that was a rowdy crowd. There was a lot of African Americans with me, and all around me, and they were into that movie. And they were having the good old time, and I was right there with them, and I was having a fun time, too. And they were just reacting to the movie, and they were making a lot of noise, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. And... So I like I don't begrudge anybody. Like, as long as you're reacting to the movie, even if you're talking a bit, I don't mind it. But if you're pulling out your phone, if you're doing something to distract yourself from the movie, first of all, why are you there? Yeah. Second of all, exactly. why? Why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, so, you're, you're preaching I to the just... choir here, buddy. <laughs> I just had to get that out of my system. By the way, we have a little bit more in this movie. Are you st- are you still got a couple minutes, Zach? I got a couple of minutes, but this might be a good place to go to a quick commercial break, and then uh, okay. I might give some final thoughts, and y'all can wrap up anything else that I might have missed. All right, sounds good. So uh, we're going to hit the pause button here for just a second, go to a little program identification, and say hello to some of our friends and partners, and uh, we'll see you guys in just a second as we continue this discussion of Spider-Man Far From Home. is Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, 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 so you should think I'm like, like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force, that. or, or uh, 
or other movies. I'll have you know, I was a movie pass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed Wait, to but... A-List, and you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games? Let me I, tell you something, I man. I have beaten 50 video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, oh you are, you are oh. sadly mistaken, sir. So, yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday nights, Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. All right, we are back with the discussion of Spider-Man Far From Home. We're kind of going all the way to the very, very end and then maybe jumping back into the middle after I have to sign off. Uh, I had some family commitments that kind of overlapped with uh, with the timing here tonight, unfortunately. But uh, this post credit scene is just chock full of stuff, not just J. Jonah Jameson, but also the uh, the cryptic video, the edited video from Mysterio, who actually ended up revealing Spider-Man's alter ego, which is something that he has been keeping secret just partially because of his age, but partially because he wanted to keep keep that life private. And now all of a sudden it's out in the open and he's got to deal with the aftermath. That was crazy. That was... See, you had that moment where he says, Peter Parker's name... Spider-Man's name is... And they kind of cut him off. I'm like, oh, it was going to cut off there. And then he just go ahead and says it. And I was floored. Like, And, like, Spider-Man is the only hero in this universe that still has a secret identity. And that is no more. Um, and apparently Kevin Feige has come out recently and saying that the next film is going to be a story we've never seen before on film. So I'm really curious to see, like, where they go with nice. this. Nice. Yeah, they uh, they 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 kind of drop a bomb on you at the very end there that makes you go, "Oh my gosh, I want to see what happens next." Um, I'm just, to, I just were really curious. I'm just like, what does this do to Peter's life? Yeah, like obviously, there's a lot of people out there that don't like him. Scorpion, Vulture, um, even Vulture protected him, like didn't give away his name. Like, there's a lot of people that want to get, him, but like, ultimately, he's a hero. So I don't think he's really going to be. You know, well, I mean, he is wanted for apparently trying to destroy London. But I feel like as long as he trashes his suits in time before the police get there, like, they really can't prove he did it. They can't They can't prove that he was even in London. Well, okay, so if, if we're talking logistics, here's here's my train of thought, and this is, this is where maybe I'm getting a little presumptuous, but I feel like in order to protect his identity and 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 protect his like his status he's gonna have to drop out of public school 
They're they're probably they're Maybe. they're probably gonna have to move. He's probably gonna have to drop out of public school, which means the only people he's gonna keep in touch with will be MJ and Ned. And mm-hmm. he ends up he ends up having to go to a charter school or a private school, and that's where he ends up meeting Miles Morales. Oh, here's I like that. My theory, I, I do like that. I think um, what more along the lines is going to happen is that Nick Fury is going to either Nick Fury or Happy are going to put him into kind of like a witness protection thing for a while, and he's going to have to pretty much keep on the down low until they can get this mess sorted out. I don't know how that's going to make for a Spider-Man movie, but it could be an interesting way to start the movie at least. Yeah, I'm just thinking back. The only other thing that I can think of here is is Arrow, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, anybody that's watched that show knows that Oliver Queen was outed like five times on that show as the Green Arrow, <laughs> and it did. It took like the last season for it to finally take in him being just known as the Green Arrow. So I'm like, I'm wondering, like, will they embrace it? Will it be like, oh yeah, we everybody knows who Peter Parker is, just like they know who every other superhero right. is. There's no, everyone knows who Thor and Black Widow and everything like that. So, or they could go the route of, you know, like. He's spending the whole movie. No, I'm not Spider Man. No, but everyone thinks he is. Right, which could be interesting. I mean, they they could they could find a way to integrate both. I I don't know. I, like I said, probably wishful thinking, but I don't feel like Childish Gambino made a reference about his nephew without the intent to eventually bring Miles into the fold. And and also you had to consider Miles. If he did not get blipped, he's five years older now. Right. True. True. So, I mean, anything could happen. You could have because I assumed, I assumed that Miles was younger, was significantly younger than Peter. But that might not be the case anymore. He could be, he could have been ten at you know in Homecoming, and maybe he's fifteen now, and he's just slightly younger than Peter to where you kind of develop that you know mentor mentee mm-hmm. role. Yeah, I could, I could see that happening. I could totally see that happening. I love it. Now, you, you, it. you okay. guys, you guys were mentioning Nick Fury. That kind of ties into uh, one of the other big reveals that happened at the the final post credit scene. This uh, this idea that uh, Nick Fury isn't actually Nick Fury and probably hasn't been for some time now. <laughs> this blew my freaking <laughs> mind. And on top of all, all the other, I just love the, I love the oh, this is crazy, and then they continue to peel back the layers, and this scene is that one, where you have, you know, Nick Fury and and Maria Hill, they're in a car, and then all of a sudden, oh, they're Talos and Soren from Captain Marvel, Scrolls, and then you learn that, because my first thought was, oh, they're invading, like, this is a whole thing. No, they're working for Fury, and Fury's off in space doing something. Right. I love the idea that people floated that He's been he's been working as Fury for a really long time, maybe as far back as Age of Ultron. <laughs> and that's possible. And Hill Hill may not have ever existed. <laughs> she, yeah, she she's been a, she's been a scroll the entire time, it's, which I would be totally fine with because all I've ever seen is Robin Sherbatsky, anyways. <laughs> 
Wouldn't that be funny if they're like, "Oh, I need you. I need uh, Soren. I need you to become my right hand person." But you know, I can't have you like, you know, I need you to create a personality. Oh, have you ever seen that show, How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> oh dear God. Oh my gosh, that would be. Mm, I don't need that, but I want that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But uh, Nick Fury is off in space looking for his shoes. And I was so. about to say, what is he doing? Because that's like a huge scroll ship. Like apparently, these endeavors to find the rest of Talos's people are going very, very well. And now that the question is, what are they doing, and when will we see them again? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there, there, there's a lot of question marks just from that ship. You know, I want to see more of the ship. For one, the design looks awesome. Well, and this is interesting because I, they uh, mentioned that they think the ship is apparently in the comics. There's a thing, uh, Shield becomes a thing called Sword, and it's like space based. Right. And I don't know much about it at all, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Marvel's Agents of Sword. <laughs> What's funny is, like, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, half of that show is now set in space. It is. So, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. Whoa. is, like, out in space. I mean, that kind of makes sense, then, oh. with the the lining up time-wise of the ending of that show. But, but, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty much in its own universe now, because they have made no mention of the blip. Nothing. Really? It's just, it's just off on its own. Like, no mention. Like, they had one mention of Thanos, and that was it. What? That's crazy. It's wow. crazy. It's crazy. But I like I'm like the show's good. I don't even care anymore. Like the show's just off on its own, doing its own thing. I don't even care. <laughs> wow. It's it's pretty much turned into like a sci-fi series because of how much space adventures they're going on. Yeah, like. But I'm not complaining. Like the op- yeah, the whole like they they were like like the the Zephyr, which is a plane, spent a year in space. Wow. Like, looking for a. Spoiler alert, another person that was dead but died, and they went back to get the other version of themselves. Yeah, it's very complicated. Hmm, interesting. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a little, and good. I'm a little behind on the show, but... Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Go watch it. Don't listen to the haters. It's good. <laughs> um, but it's not connected to the MCU anymore, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, um, and who knows? Maybe Sword will show up in there or whatever. I just... I, I love what this movie sets up. I love the... Especially these post-credit scenes, they're they're bonkers. They're out of this world. They are so comic booky, and in a comic book universe, that shouldn't be saying a whole lot, but it does because this movie just doesn't hold back. It keeps keeps you guessing, and in in a movie with about Mysterio and about all these illusions, there is so many illusions that aren't even related to Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right. Well, uh, Zach, I know you're going to have to leave us pretty quickly. Unfortunately. Do you want to go ahead and give your uh, final thoughts and your planet score before you sign off? Yeah, I might as well. I was just going back through a a synopsis that kind of talked about a lot of elements of this movie that some things maybe you guys will get to or maybe I'll kind of give you the the little introduction to it. the the elementals were an interesting antagonist, but I think because they didn't have like a leader necessarily, it kind of tipped me off that Mysterio was going to be like the surprise twist bad guy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
but I didn't necessarily hate it. I, I I didn't dislike that. If if there was anything that that I would nitpick, it was that a lot of it felt borrowed from The Incredibles. But even then, The Incredibles is a pretty great movie, so it, it's hard to nitpick that either. The things that we got from here, the 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 callbacks all the way to the original Iron Man, the uh, the the references to things as recent as Endgame from what we witnessed, you know, maybe two months ago, and then having everything else kind of blended and interwoven, it felt like a true MCU movie. But the the graphics and adventure and story that they told also felt like a true comic book movie. Mm-hmm. So to me, it felt like this movie was just firing on all cylinders from every possible direction. Was Mysterio as good of a villain as the Vulture? No, not in my opinion. I I don't think so. But I don't feel like the Vulture had as solid a story than what we had with Mysterio and everybody else in this film. So as far as the story and the and the interweaving of everything that's going on goes, it just felt way more cohesive, it felt way more zany and adventurous. You get to have love interest, but you get to have action. You get to have mystery, you get to have intrigue, you get to have comedy. You know, this movie has a little bit of everything that just about anyone can enjoy. And as far as I can remember, the only thing that felt even mildly on edge was when Nick Fury said, Bitch, please, you've been to space. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So... It's also very family-friendly. It's something that you can take the whole family to go see on a weekend and just enjoy yourself for a couple of hours, as long as you stay off your damn cell phone. Exactly. Oh, thank you. Overall, this was a very well-done movie. It was so awesome to watch, and thanks to AMC A-List, I plan on watching it again really soon. Um, I don't know if I'll get to see it before I go see Lion King, which is coming out you know, in a week. I'm also really excited about that. But I do plan on seeing it again, hopefully twice, maybe even a third time, just so that we can keep this conversation going. This is not the end of the conversation for me by any means. Um, I'll probably end up seeing something the second time around and be like, okay, before we talk about this, let's talk about what I just discovered from Spider-Man. Like, this is one of those things that it's going to be ongoing. And if we get a chance to revisit this film one day, I'm going to be a very happy camper. But uh, for now, I'm just going to say I I love the casting and the characters. I love the story. I love the setting. I love the visuals. I I don't think there's really anything from this movie that I don't like. And so for that, uh, I think I'm going to end up giving it a... uh, Hmm. I feel like it deserves to be higher than a 9, but I don't know if I can put it at a 9.5. So I'm going to give it a 9.2. 9.2 out of 10. There you go. Very, very fair. Very good. So I like it. That's it for me. Uh, I pass the baton to you, Mr. Damon. <laughs> I'll uh, be talking to you all again very shortly. Thanks for letting me kind of go off on a couple of tangents there for a little bit. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week. In the meantime, just find me on social media at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. Nice. Thank you so much, Zach. And we will talk at you a bit later. Looking forward to it. Have a good night, you guys. See you, man. Thanks. Well, it's a shame we had to lose him, but we, we, you know, 
We got, the show must go on, and and it's, it's funny enough. We're kind of getting to test out um, our new little system here, Jake. Um, so we're putting your skills to the test. You're on the I'm hot seat, not really. Um, but we got a couple more things to go. We we do need to wrap. We need to start kind of looking towards wrapping up the show in the next little while. But we do have a few other things mm-hmm. to talk about. Is, is there anything that you had on your mind that you just wanted to blurt out right now? Because I know I have a lot of different thoughts, and some of them are kind of hitting me at different times oh, because uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, uh, are we tackling our favorite moment yet, or? We can do that if you got an answer for okay. that. Okay, um, we can go ahead. Yeah, with that. I talked a little bit about it before, but I think my absolute favorite moment in this movie kind of knocked me on my seat was the that illusion sequence, the beautifully done um, scene where Peter gets thrust into this illusion where he's basically shown all of the things he fears the most and the things he uh is afraid of and and nervous about and scared of and it's all kind of uh you know given to him in a very beautifully stunning visual way that mysterio does so well uh and it's it's the most comic book like sequence i think in the mcu to date in my opinion it's very like very very Mysterio from the comics. It's like this is what you would see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um I don't know, it was it was just so well done from start to finish. You know, I I found bootleg clips of it on YouTube and stuff and I've just had to like rewatch it again and again because it's so fun to watch and um what was I going to say? It was it, oh yeah, it was really cool to see zombie Iron Man, you know. Um Oh yeah, that was that was Super nuts. Creepy. That was insane. Uh, yeah, and what was the other thing I was thinking of? Oh, yeah, the, that one scene where he walks up to the mirror completely r- reminded me of The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, heck yes. Like, that whole thing, it just it's just that yeah. was great. Um, but, yeah, I think that was my absolute favorite scene in the movie and one of my favorite scenes in the MCU now. I... You know what? I want to say that scene because and I, I I talked at length at it earlier, so I'm not missing out on anything. I think that's one of the that's one of the, one of the best scenes in MCU. Honestly, yeah. it is. Um, one the one I'm gonna point out as my favorite scene is one that was a bit more subtle, but I think it it deserves mentioning. And it's right when and again, like Mysterio is presented as a very genuine character for the first half mm-hmm. of this movie like he's really you know sincere and you grow to like him a lot and it's almost tragic to see him go hey get this stupid costume off me and you know we're gonna toast to every all the bad guys <laughs> in the room um but there's that one scene where they first meet and peter starts geeking out over multiverse and starts just saying all this jargon and Everyone's kind of looking at him, and he's like, oh, sorry. And Quentin Beck's like, never apologize for being the smartest person in the room. And that's like the line of the movie for me. I know it's the bad guy. I know the bad guy's saying it, but it's absolutely true. For just life Mm -hmm. in general, you know, don't... Just because you got things figured out and you're, you're smart, don't let dumber people put you down for that but also just for peter in general who is a genius he's a kid genius Mm -hmm. like and i feel like 
there's one thing that these films have not done enough with is explore his intellect, explore that he is one of the smartest people in this universe. And so I love that scene that he got to kind of show that off. And then further going on, the, the scene with Happy and him and them kind of going off and and Happy just straight up telling Peter, hey, dude, you're not going to be the next Iron Man. Right. Like, not even Tony was cut out for it, but he did it anyway. Um, like, you have to be your own person. You have to be Spider-Man. And that's exactly what I wanted out of this movie. Mm-hmm. I wanted this movie to portray the idea that this is not about someone becoming the next Iron Man. It's not about Peter Parker becoming the next Iron Man. It's about Peter Parker coming to his into his own as Spider-Man. And that one scene on the bridge where he's kicking ass and using his spider sense to take out all mm-hmm. the drones just sold it. I think this is the best the best we've seen Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say this is the best Spider-Man movie, but this is the best we've seen Peter Parker as a character yeah. overall in any of these And movies. I'll say this. I think that the first third of this movie... A little, uh, you know, I, I hesitate at saying boring, but I, I think if I'm honest with myself, I was checking my watch a couple times, you know, and then it does it it does take it does take a while to get going. It really yeah. does because it's not it's not like because normally speaking, and your normal like action movie thing to do would be like, oh, you start with a big action sequence to kind of get you into it, and then you move into the thing. Like, there's one like tiny bit of action at the very beginning of the movie and the rest of it is just Peter Parker being Peter Parker and getting ready for his European trip which it does move a little bit slow but I think ultimately I think the the last half of the movie saves yeah, oh for sure I think that the last half or two thirds is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie you know if you could have made that stretch out through the entire thing I think it would be a contender in my eyes for best Spider-Man movie up there with into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2. Um, but, yeah, I think it took a little bit to get going. I think the I think my biggest criticism of this movie is just the pacing. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think it's really fair. And, yeah, it, it, it does, you know, it drags a bit in places, but I think I, I think it, it does, it, it has a story to tell. And it's about, yeah. and, you know, that first part is about kind of like, I mean, the, the opening credits with the Marvel logo is all about um, memorializing Iron Man and Black Widow and Cap, who apparently is dead now. I didn't know. Right. I, 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 I guess it was, should be assumed that he was really old enough that he, where he just passed away, but, like, <laughs> this movie pretty much confirms well, that he's dead. The way I look at it, I think, and it makes sense, is that nobody knows that he came back from the time travel thing. I don't even know if anybody knew he did time travel you know for any for what everybody else knows he could have you know gotten killed by thanos or something i don't think people know that i think people just think he put back the stones and stayed back in the past um i think he's just keeping his return a secret so they assume he's gone that's that's true that it could be that they just the official story is that he was lost or something like that i don't know Um, yeah yeah. so that's that's interesting though that you know i love the (laughs) <laughs> the, the and I will always love you. It's that that <laughs> song, man. I was not expecting yep. that, but it was perfect. It, it was cool. I I like how both movies have kind of started off with very amateurish uh, clips and footage. Like the first one was that little movie that Peter Parker made, like New York. 2000 whatever, and he's like yep. documenting his day. And then this one's the 
the student um, video thing for the school. Um, and yeah, I think they're they're going with like a little bit of like a formula for the Spider-Man movies because both movies kind of start off the same way and they both end the same way. I would say. Or, you know, with the what the F and then cutting, you know. I know this one was in the post credit scene, but still it's, like, funny how they, they're using the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I totally, yeah. I, I, they do have a similar structure, you're right. And some people are, like, uh, taking that to the extreme, going, they're the same movie and all this kind of no. stuff. They're not. Like, you know, that's that's storytelling. Like, you, you mirror things and you do, you, 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 do callbacks like that's all this movie is doing is kind of like developing this formula and being that you know same writer same director like uh it makes sense right but, exactly. yeah i think i loved homecoming and i think i might like far from home better i'm not sure i've seen homecoming a half dozen times i've seen this movie only once yeah i can't really make that judgment <laughs> but it's hard same i'm i'm right there i think i enj- i think so far, I'm just going to give it to Homecoming just for the pacing alone. I think the pacing's a little better in that movie, and I also think that Vulture overall is a, a much better villain, um, more compelling, more interesting. I think it, it, less mustache twirling, more like real life, trying to take care of my family, mm-hmm. stealing stuff, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, out of the two villains, I think that Michael Keaton brought a more menacing performance. You know, you... I found myself being actually afraid of him at times and, He's and terrifying. scared. Yeah, terrifying is a great word. And, you know, Mysterio is more hammy and goofy and, and overreactionary and kind of takes it over the top, which I don't hate. I just think that out of the two, I'm going to give it to Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree there. And I think whereas Adrian Toomes was more about – I'm just trying to provide for my family, and you're getting in the way, so I'm going to kill you. And you right. he's the most, one of the most relatable comic book villains, or comic book movie villains, because, like, you totally understand where he's coming from. You don't agree with him. You know, like, he's obviously in the wrong there, but you get where he's coming from. Whereas Mysterio is all about, like, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a fraud. <laughs> like, he's all about, right. like, just taking advantage of people and being an absolute dick so like i think i think that you have a leg up for vulture that he is more relatable and thing but i still i really like mysterio and again i say mm-hmm. bring him back he's not dead yes. i swear he's not dead he better not be dead because i want more of him i want i want him working alongside vulture and scorpion and bring in you know i don't know the the you know, you got to get. Uh, I love your theory about uh, um, the the. Uh, what am I, how am I? How am I missing this? Um, Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn. Thank you. Yeah. The Green Goblin. I love your idea that you floated way back, where saying mm-hmm. that that the Green Goblin thing might be ba- the design of that might be based on the scrolls. Yeah, it it just makes the most sense within universe, like for an explanation. I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I'd love to see that you know and who knows how they're going to incorporate it who knows if they're going to incorporate it at all you know it could just be that the the Avengers Tower turns out to be the Baxter building who knows I'm definitely leaning towards Oscorp but um, 
you know, we'll see. I, I don't think they would introduce Oscorp if they weren't going to introduce Norman Osborn, if they weren't going to introduce the Green Goblin, who is, you know, Spidey's arch enemy. But I think that that's going to take more than one movie to set up. I think that has to be kind of played out over the next couple movies. And, and Norman Osborn really has to be somebody that Peter trusts, maybe at first, I think. Um, I don't know. Who knows how that's going to go down, but I think it could be interesting. There's a lot of potential there. It would be nice if they set it up long-term instead of doing the Spider-Man route, the original Spider-Man route, and going like, okay, mm-hmm. here's Norman Osborn, but oh yeah, he's, he's a supervillain. Like, it would be nice right. to have him and, you know, that whole family around and have them established as normal side characters and then mm-hmm. ultimately t- make that turn. Um, right. And I'm I'm almost borderline convinced now that the Avengers Tower and you see it at the end, Spider Man flies through it. Right. I'm I'm thinking that might be Oscorp. Yeah, I. Or, very possible. Or Fantastic Four. Okay, here's a crazy idea I just thought of. You know how like uh, skyscrapers, uh, you know, in New York and stuff, they'll be like divided between companies like certain amount of floors will be one company right, certain right, amount right. of floors will be other <laughs> they don't even what if they don't choose one what if they're just like the top half is oscorp the bottom half is the baxter building that would be amazing now or like it's crazy. the baxter building but like a few floors or like there's an office for norman osborne on a on a few floors. yeah like the baxter building half of which is occupied by Oscorp Industries. They're obviously setting something up there. I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't pay it off here because, like, yeah. it was a big deal in Homecoming, and they still didn't really give us anything. But I think, I think, Comic Con could be the key to everything. Oh, I'm I can't wait for Comic Con because Marvel's gonna be there, and I think we could get the Fantastic Four announcement, and maybe Kevin Feige will come clean about well, that building, the Avengers Tower, is actually the Baxter Building or something like that. Yeah. And how, how do you think they'll do it? Do you think they'll just reveal a slide and it shows what the new building looks like with the name on it? How cool would that they be? They could. Marvel is incredibly cocky right now. Like, they, yes. they're they just like, you know what? We're just going to release a movie on a Tuesday because we're freaking Marvel. <laughs> That's why. So right? I think they could easily do that. I don't know. I Why wouldn't they do that in the movie, though? Like, I understand they're trying to keep I it focused know. on Spider-Man, but like, if they were just going to go... Uh, you know, a few weeks later, oh, Kevin Feige on stage is going to show up, a slide, a picture of Avengers Tower, and now it's the Baxter Building. Like, just do that mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, I don't yeah. quite understand that. But, I mean, I'll take it. I, I want it because I'm impatient and I want it now. So, and San Diego Comic-Con is in a week. So, um, yeah. I, th- I think between Comic-Con and D23 coming up next month, we're going to get a lot of cool nuggets. I absolutely agree. No Star Wars stuff. We might get to the Star Wars thing a little bit later if we have time. But uh, mm-hmm. um, some definitely some Marvel stuff. I think it's always exciting. And knowing that there's a whole slate of stuff we don't know about, like the Black Widow movie and the Eternals is pretty much the only thing that we know about in the future. Like there's so yeah. much stuff they can announce. Yep. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so favorite character or perhaps I'm just going to go favorite character there's a lot of characters sure. not a whole lot of new characters try to keep it thing but you know we'll, we'll do favorite character do you have a favorite character out of everyone yeah I mean I think I have to go with Quentin Beck he's 
he's just kind of a cool, fresh take on a villain. Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, classic and very comic booky, like I said before, and just kind of something a little different we haven't seen in the MCU yet. So it seemed kind of fresh and new and and refreshing. And um, I think, you know, if I if I had to pick, it would be Mysterio. But it's kind of tie tied with peter parker himself i think they furthered his story very well in this uh movie and they just did a really good job um you know making him grow a little bit and learn a new lesson and um get into trouble again at the end of the movie and stuff and it's just really cool and fun to follow that and i didn't find either of their characters stale or boring at all and um yeah i i think i'm gonna have to agree with you I think I'm gonna yeah. have to say Quentin Beck again. That I, just I I love this character so much, and I I think just the, his whole shtick about you know wanting to be a hero and and doing all this crazy stuff to do it, and the whole mechanics of how he works, and his whole personality, and his change through halfway through the movie from being this really genuine person to this straight up supervillain like really truly mm-hmm. um i love so much about him so i i think he's a great character again don't let him die he better not be dead i'm gonna keep saying it until kevin feige hears oh, me i don't think he is i think and i didn't i think that that would be one of my criticisms of this movie is the fact that they're like all the all the uh all the you know the illusions are off like he's definitely dead and i'm like come on like you set you well, set this he, up throughout the whole movie that he can just do whatever. Like, of course he's not dead. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and I watched a review that said that Edith the glasses, which by the way stands for even dead, I'm not the hero. I love that, uh, very Tony Stark. Um, but uh, they said that the glasses said yes, he's dead. They don't say that. All they said is the illusion is gone, which that just means the drones aren't working. I mean, who knows? He could just be play acting. He could have taken a drug or something that made his heart stop for a certain amount of time. Who knows? I don't think he's gone. Nick Fury did that, you know. Yeah. Nick yep. Fury did the whole, you know, play dead thing. So exactly, it's very possible. I, I love, I love that idea. So yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think we're gonna see Quentin Beck back. I think Jake Gyllenhaal will be back in Spider Man Three, Spider Man yep. Homecoming. Three, Spider-Man, Spider-Man eight, whatever, whatever Spider-Man movie this is. I don't know. I don't know how many there's been. Um, Spider-Man Home Cooking. <laughs> Spider-Man. I'm still holding out for Spider-Man Homeless. Homeless. <laughs> yep. He's on the run. He's got no home. Yep. This is this is this is Spider-Man. Living in a cardboard box. Poor guy. All right. So I think we've covered a good bit of stuff. I don't know where to go from here because I feel like we missed a bunch of stuff, but I also feel like we've covered a bunch of stuff. Is there anything you can think of that I might be missing here? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I mean, the only other thing I was going to mention was the glasses and the name. I thought that was funny, yeah, that was but good. I just mentioned that. So, um, I don't know. I mean, there's that character Brad. <laughs> I forget his uh, last name, but he was funny. He was it's a, a very. An I love the use of the blip and the use of like, oh, yes. this guy. He dis. We disappeared for five years. We come back, and this, you know, he's a dweeb, <laughs> and then he comes back. This he's hunk. A, he's this jock that uh, 
is uh, out to uh, get MJ and also uh, distribute uh, pornographic images of Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> yep. Another funny scene. That was <laughs> so great. There's so many, so many, as again, I need to see this movie again because like my, my memory after what a week and a half is like, like, Oh, I forgot about that scene. I forgot about this scene. Um, there's mm-hmm. so much good stuff. There's so much good stuff. Um, speaking of good stuff, now is as good a time as any to go into our quarter of the night tonight. And it's another great scene. And I kind of, I kind of alluded to it off the top here, but it is the scene where Quentin Beck and as, as I said, who knows if he's flying, if he's a hologram, whatever, but he flies up to Peter and they have a little conversation. And it's actually a nice little conversation, even though pretty much everyone knows that, I mean, even if you haven't seen this movie, that, yeah, he's going to portray Peter. He's still kind of being a good friend here and being a good mm-hmm. little mentor here. And he gives, I think, I think in his own weird way, Quentin Beck is a great mentor for Peter. Is a, was a great, you know, he didn't really... He didn't. He was manipulating him, but he didn't necessarily steal him in the, steer him in the right, in the wrong direction. Like I think he did right. a lot of the same things, and maybe I'm just missing some stuff, and maybe there's some subtext there that, you know, yeah, he's pretty evil. He was evil all along, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the scene, and let's just listen to it, and then we'll come back, and maybe we'll talk a bit about it. But uh, for now, go ahead and take a listen to tonight's quote of the night. When Fury asked me to come up here and see how you were doing, he just, he felt bad about snapping at you. Really? You guys do have sarcasm on this earth, right? How are you feeling? I didn't think I was going to have to save the world this summer. I know that makes me sound like such a jerk. I just, I had this plan with this girl that I really like, and now it's all ruined. I like you, Peter. You're a good kid. There's a part of me that wants me to tell you just turn around, run away from all this, and then there's another part of me that knows what we're about to fight, what's at stake. And I'm glad you're here. Me too. But are you worried about your friends? Yeah. Just always feel like I'm putting them in danger. Look, just get them inside and keep them in a safe place for just a few hours, and they'll be all right. It's really nice to have somebody to talk to about superhero stuff, you know? Anytime. Man, that chemistry. Tom Holland, mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal, so great. Oh, yeah. Yep, I, I remember when that scene got uh, released, and that was the first time I saw Mysterio, and, you know, as he's flying and talking, I think that's the first time we heard him talk, and it was cool to see his helmet kind of like you know it kind of disappeared around him like a hologram would basically that should have been the first clue that he was a hologram (laughs) yep yep should have uh should have tipped us off but we never saw it coming did we maybe 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 a little maybe just just a tiny bit but uh again great just great scene between those two characters and you know it's a shame i think one of the reasons that I want to see Mysterio back is because of the great relationship that Peter and Quentin had and the fact that Quentin betrayed him. I feel like 
it was a bit personal. It was you know it was a lot personal in Homecoming between him and Vulture. Like obviously mm-hmm. you know your girlfriend's dad turns out to be a supervillain. That's a pretty big deal. But like the dynamic here is way different. They're peers. They're friends. Like they're established as like people who are relatable and Peter is definitely relating to him and he really can't relate to anyone else. He's in a universe with giants and gods and all this kind of stuff and you know he really right. relates to Mysterio in a deep way and that's all destroyed at the end of this movie. And on top of all that he outs him and tries to kill his friends and all this kind of stuff and pins him for the murders of a bunch of people and the destruction almost of a city like it's a pretty big deal. So yeah. I think uh I think Peter is going to have it out for Mysterio just as much as Mysterio has it out for Peter. So I want to see that more. I want to see more of that dynamic and how Peter deals with that because I feel like there's going to be a lot of, you know, maybe Peter kind of dealing with some revenge vibes. Like, hey, I got to get back mm-hmm. at this guy and, and learning to let that go. Right. I I can't wait for the sequel, and I I, I don't expect we'll get it anytime soon. <laughs> But no, it'll it'll be a couple of years. But um, yeah, it, the cliffhanger and the end credit scene makes you makes you wonder how soon they're actually going to do it. Yeah, no wonder. And again, Comic Con, who knows? Maybe they maybe they secretly film Spider Man three behind their back, and they're going to release it tomorrow. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, know. I I just found out today that there was a part of the contract between Sony and Marvel Studios is that if this movie didn't make a billion, then they could take back the rights, basically. I heard that. Which is funny to me, seeing as how they could barely make a billion, you know, barely even close to that with with their Spider-Man. So I I don't know why that's even a thing. I I don't buy that because it's a big gamble for Marvel. It's a big gamble for both sides. Marvel, from Marvel's yeah. standpoint, it's like they have to make sure this movie makes a billion, which there's no guarantee that will happen. And they're gambling away Spider-Man, one of the most lucrative characters. And obviously, this partnership between Sony and Marvel, you can criticize it all you want, but it's working. Like We've got two yeah. really good Spider-Man movies and several other appearances in other Marvel movies. So like It's working, so don't screw that up. Um, right. But I think on the flip side of that, I think Sony could see that as well, hey, that that's actually viable that they would make it to a billion and we right. could lose the character altogether. So I don't think I, – I don't trust that there's deals like that happening. I feel like – I hope not. I feel like there's a lot of hate fear-mongering in regards to like, oh, what if they're going to take away? I think they're comfortable. I hope they're comfortable that Sony, Marvel, they both have, you know – Relatively, the only thing Sony's getting plastered for is the marketing. <laughs> That's the only thing they deserve plastering for. Um, right. And I think they can only they can only do right by the characters and by the fans by just letting this continue to happen and letting us continue to have Peter Parker in these films. Exactly. You know, I think that's where he belongs anyway. Um, and it it's crazy that they're at this point, but pretty much any MCU film that comes out is is almost you know gonna make a billion no matter what you know it's they've had 10 plus years of building up the the fan base and the loyalty and people are not failing to come see these movies exactly exactly so you know we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes but I, i i don't think i don't see how either party could be unhappy and 
not want no. to keep this going. Like, I feel like, you know, everyone's, you got the fans happy, everyone got what we never thought we'd get and what we always wanted, which was Spider-Man and the MCU. And now we're several films into this, like, and Tom Holland's talking like he wants to play Spider-Man until he dies. So I say let him. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I say let him. So we shall see. We shall see. But before we wrap it up for the night, I think we need to give the folks our final thoughts and score out of 10. We didn't already do that, do we? Or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spacing on that. Uh, Zach did. We did not. <laughs> okay. Okay. I am really confused. Mysterio is messing with my brain because I thought I imagined <laughs> that. Okay, Jake. What are your final thoughts and your score out of 10? Final thoughts are slow first third and amazing second two thirds. Um, and, you know, just overall a really fun movie, a uh, very good movie. And I wouldn't say it's as good as Homecoming is. Um, it ranks, like for me, oh, do you mind if I tell you where it kind of ranks for Absolutely, me? go ahead. Um, so at the very top, I have to put um, Spider-Man 2, I think. I think that's just a really well-done movie pacing-wise, great villain, all that jazz. Um, my second one, probably Into the Spider-Verse. You know, I've seen that five times at this point. Um, just very fun movie, very well done, gets the character of Spider-Man right. Uh, third, Homecoming, and then kind of neck and neck with that, just a little lower, is Far From Home. Uh which isn't terrible, you know. I'd say those four are far and away the best Spider-Man movies, um, you know. And then it's kind of a you know, maybe Spider-Man One is up there too, and then there's a big drop for the rest. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, for Planet Score, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with like an eight. I think I I thought maybe an eight point five, but I'm just gonna go with an eight. You know, it's it's high, mm-hmm. but. I'm just going to take a couple points off for kind of slow first third and and a less compelling villain yet, you know, a cool villain. Nonetheless, it's it's less compelling than the vulture mm-hmm. was. Um but I, yeah, I think 8's a good number for me. Yeah. I I think that's completely fair. I think that's great. And for me, mm, this is it's 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 difficult cuz I do have I have a few qualms. I think I think I think my favorite parts of this movie, which are the post credit scenes, are also the the things that concern me the most about the future of this thing because like I'm been kind of like as I said, I want kind of like the more I want to work in the more traditional like hey, it's Spider-Man and he's working for the Daily Bugle and all this kind of stuff and they've kind of like this ending really puts the kibosh on that. You really, I don't think we're going to see that, yeah. I think. And maybe that's for the best. We've seen that already. And there's yeah. any films. Let's move on to something different. I've been wrong before. I'm happy to be wrong again. So I think, but ultimately, I think it's a weird, some weird choices, but I, I'm looking forward to what they're doing. And maybe we'll find out next week as far as what they're going to be doing. Maybe we'll get, we could even get a title for the third Spider-Man movie. Who knows? Yeah. That'd be great. But... I think for this film in particular, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, and, and the first viewing for me can be really weird, especially for MCU films. Like, sometimes right. I don't come out. I remember coming out of 
Age of Ultron going like, well, I don't know about that. And now I'm that yeah. movie's biggest defender. So, uh, you know, who knows? But I think right now, as I feel, it really holds up. I think it really is a great, it's a great Spider-Man sequel. It's a great character study on Spider-Man. It's a great villain story. It's a great send-off for this phase of the MCU. It's a great kind of epilogue for Tony Stark. And it does so many things, but ultimately, my favorite thing about it is Peter Parker's story. It's about him doing this and being, and naturally, and I know some people don't necessarily like the idea that he's been playing, kind of playing second fiddle to Tony Stark, as he did in Homecoming, Infinity War. But I think for yeah. this universe, if you're going to introduce Spider-Man in this way, it had to be that way. It only made sense that Peter Parker would grow up idolizing someone like Tony Stark and then getting to work with him and then getting to sure. thing like that, the father-son mentor dynamic only made sense. And right. I think since Uncle Ben is already gone and you can't really do that, I think the next best thing was to give that to Tony Stark and have him, you know, have Homecoming be that, hey, it's him he's over he's watching over peter and having kind of some problems and then the next one he's gone and peter has to figure out what to do with his life after and realizing that he is spider-man that he has to become spider-man and not just be the next iron man i i just love that about his character i love the, i think that whole hallway scene in the bridge um with him finding the drones like everything leading up so to good. that is Fantastic. It's a great display of like what this character is capable of. Like we're talking about yeah. Spider-Man who is kind of lower tier, like kind of being a, a supporting player. We can assume in a few years will be one of the top dogs in this universe, will be one of the major players in the future, will be the Tony Stark, the Iron Man of the future figuratively. Yeah, but, I think that's going to be fun to see that transition. You know, if they do as many movies as they're – rumored to do you know they get the the kid peter parker out of the way not saying that's bad it's just not my f like i think it'll be cool to see an adult version of peter parker in this universe where he is like you know high level avenger that people respect and are in awe of and stuff uh, yeah that's the thing that's probably my biggest biggest thing that i had especially with endgame that i don't like about them i love that movie but Peter Parker in it is almost borderline annoying. With the and even in Infinity Wars, like have you ever seen that really old movie Aliens? Like, dude, it's not oh, even that yeah. old of a movie. I know you're trying to play a 15 year old, but it's not that old of a mm -hmm. movie. Like, I think they right. laid it on a bit too strong. I think that's how I feel too. With especially in Civil War, I think that's the most annoying line to me. Is like, you know that really old movie where they're on that snow planet? It's like, okay, everybody I love knows the what Star Wars, Wars reference. I think the execution's a bit off. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So I think for this movie. I'm delighted. I'm I love. It. I think he, Peter grows up in this movie. He really does. And you don't have those. Hey, and you have that one line where Nick Fury's like, "Hey, Stark said you wouldn't get this if it wasn't a Star Wars reference," um, which is, I guess, <laughs> I guess more of a dig at Tom Holland for not liking Star Wars in real life, apparently. Um, yeah. But I just love that he's at the end of this movie. He grows up. He's more Spider-Man, and now he has this big thing to deal with. And I think it just sets him up for. Like, you have that one scene where he's flying through the city and 
you know, carrying MJ and it's like, this is, this is Spider-Man. This is what this character is. And right. I'm so looking forward to the future. So I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give this movie a nine out of 10. I really, nice. I have very few issues with it. And as far as my rankings with it, I think overall I would rank it number two, just under Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I really yep. love that movie. I think I'd put, I think I'd put Homecoming next and then Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I know that may be sacrilegious, but I did it. I did it. No, yeah. I mean, upon rewatch of Spider-Man 2, the Raimi one, I think that it is a little goofier, you know, um, but I I think it's still pretty good. And I think that it, all of these movies, honestly, when you really think about them and pick them apart – they can be pretty interchangeable, you know, depending on how you're feeling on any certain day. So, you know, tomorrow I might feel different about this one. There's some, you know, there's some good bits in Spider-Man 3. I mean, as, as kind of a yeah. train wreck as yeah. that one is. Um, <laughs> and even I've seen bits and pieces of, I've seen The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and I haven't seen, I've only seen bits and pieces of 2. But uh, I know there's good stuff in there. I know a lot of people love Andrew Garfield's performance. I love the thing. And people are like, oh, I like Andrew. I like Toby. Like, you're free to like whoever you like. Like, everyone. There's no wrong. Everyone. And, like, now it's like, it's just whoever you grew up with is Spider-Man. Like, if you happen to grow up in the time when Toby McGuire was Spider-Man, that's your Spider-Man. If you're a 10-year-old now, like, Tom Holland's going to be your jam. He's going to be your Spider-Man. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it really doesn't matter what us old farts think about it. Um, so that's, I think that will about do it, unless you have anything more to add on Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't think so. I think I've covered it. All right. All right. Well, really quick, I just want to get to something. And this is something we don't have a lot of time here. I do need to wrap up pretty quickly, I think. But I want to address something. This just came out today. Ooh. This is the newest and the only bit of Star Wars news we've gotten in a very long time. What about this Sith Trooper thing that just came out today? What do you think it is? Yeah. Did you get a chance to look at this? Yeah, I I took a look at it, and I, I looked at the Hot Toys reveal of it. I guess that's going to be like a, a pre-release exclusive thing they're doing before the movie comes out, and it just it looks great. You know, I... I understand the criticism I've heard from some people about how oh they're just you know <laughs> Star Wars is always going to be criticism. Yeah, right. Well, they're like, yeah, you're just taking the trooper outfit and putting a new coat of paint on it or whatever. And I'm like, yes and no. You know, the the mask's a little different. They've got a little you know details and design elements that are a little different, but. I think they look badass, and the the coolest part about them, I think, is the name, the most mysterious thing. They're called Sith Troopers. You I know. know. Like, what what does that mean? That's the biggest thing. It's like, I, and this is actually, these aren't, and this isn't the first time we've seen this design. If you remember that uh, poster that leaked, that, that, like, key art thing that showed up a while back, I think one, like, a bunch of these were on it, like, really tiny, and so we've seen this before, but not at this thing, and now we have a name to them. So, Sith Trooper, like, what What does that mean? Yeah. Like, we know, like, obviously Sith is a name that you don't hear very often, much anymore, because, hey, the Sith got killed. You know, Palpatine, um, he died in that ship. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. <laughs> so, what does this mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, theorizing, like, 
does this mean Palpatine comes back and he has his own personal army? And these are mm. Sith troopers? Like, the only other time, and a lot of people have already made this this connection, that the only other time Sith trooper has shown up in Star Wars is in, like, Knights of the Old Republic, when you had, like, the Sith army versus the Jedi army or whatever. Like, the Sith had their mm. own, like, army, whereas kind of the Empire and the First Order are kind of, like, figuratively for the dark side, but not really. Um, right. So having, like, a straight-up, like, these are Sith warriors. I don't know. Like, it's thing. And you look at, like, the... Because they have the Black Series version of it, mm-hmm. and it ha- comes with all these attachments. And there's, like, blades oh. and stuff, and I'm like, what is this yeah. guy capable of? Yeah. That's very interesting. I think it's definitely going to have something to do with old Palpy. I agree. I love the theory going around on Twitter right now. People are talking about, well, what if? What if you have a Palpatine comes back, Kylo Ren, maybe he gets redeemed. Maybe Finn helps out in redeeming, quote unquote, some of his fellow stormtroopers. What if there's a First Order Civil War and you have white troopers versus red troopers yeah that'd be interesting i'd love that imagine the possibilities imagine yeah and also i want this sith trooper funko pop i just want it i need it yeah. in my life right now yep but that's very a thing cool. <laughs> that's a thing that happens yep. very very similar to uh, uh what's what's his name from star wars resistance oh you're talking about um pyre uh, yeah, I think so. The red, the red, red trooper. Uh, You're right. Trooper, yeah. It looks a lot like that. I mean, some differences, but visually pretty similar. He looks a lot pyre, and he also looks like I don't know if you're familiar with Cardinal from the uh, Cardinal. Phasma book. He's another uh, like. Maybe that's who I'm thinking. No, um, you you had it right with pyre. Pyre is like the no no no. It's not pyre. Pyre is the gold one. It was Von Rag. Oh, Von right. Rag is the pilot that's dressed all in red in Resistance. Oh, yeah. That's two. That that show produced two really cool troopers. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't get far enough to get to that character. I just remember seeing pictures of him. But I, I have seen the first, like, five episodes of Resistance on YouTube, I think. And I loved him. Like, I think that's a show I want to continue. Yeah. I cannot recommend Resistance enough, especially that ending. It's great, and I'm I'm oh, in, really? I'm in withdrawals right now. Do you know what happens at the end? No, I don't. Ooh, you're not spoiled. Ooh, I don't want to spoil you. I just want you to enjoy it and watch it. It's, it's so good. I want to say I don't care, but I, I kind of want this one for myself. It's, that ending, man, it's really good. They 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 did they did a number on that show. They really like it. Surprised me, and I That's was cool. I didn't go in like thinking it was gonna suck, but I was like, man, they they didn't pull any punches. Like they really. Especially when you get to the episode where they intersect with the Force mm-hmm. Awakens, and uh, Kazuda Ziono, the main character, is from Hosnian Prime. I'm just going to leave that there. Oh, oh! I might actually know what happens because I remember in the first episode he's talking to his dad, uh-huh. and it's revealed that he's a guy from Hosnian Prime, and we all know where that goes. <laughs> yeah, I think but, it's not uh, a big spoiler to say this: bad stuff happens, but uh, yeah. it's, it's what happens after that that's really really interesting and I think it's they, okay. they did a okay. great job so I can't recommend Resistance enough I know it's a kid show who cares it's good stuff it's good Star Wars well you got me excited again so 
Good stuff. All right. Well, I think I think it is time. I think we need to transition into the final section of the show, the final segment of the night, Ooh. perhaps the most famous, the most favorite segment of the night. And I'm not used to doing this. Zach is usually the one that introduces this. So, so if I flub this, don't get mad at me. So get out your hashtags. Get them up on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. I don't even think Google+, exists anymore. Um, Mixler, <laughs> however you want to do it, because it is time, one more time, for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. All right, so as I normally do, because we're always desperate for new ideas for the segment... I want to ask, as a, and you're not a guest now, Jake. You're our host. I don't. I need to remind <laughs> myself that you're here. We can't get rid of you now. You're you're here to stay. Not yep. that we would want to, of course. Um, <laughs> so, as I ask anyone who's uh, new to the show, um, have you had any interesting barbecue experiences lately at all? Oh man, I can't really say out of the ordinary i just i my wife made some wings in a crock pot uh that she found the recipe on and basically you just throw some wings in a crock pot cover it with barbecue sauce let it Ooh. sit for a day and then you get some really nice barbecue chicken wings at the end my dad makes them now uh upon recommendation from her and yeah they're really good uh that's that's the only thing i've had barbecue recently besides like maybe some barbecue chips from jimmy john's or something i was but, gonna suggest so, barbecue chips are acceptable answer <laughs> okay but that's awesome but that's awesome okay so tying in with our our discussion topic tonight about spider-man far from home i, I figured I, I feel like we've already discussed this at some point but we're going to discuss it again mm-hmm. and being that a large portion of this film takes place in italy i thought well you know what 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 would barbecue italian how would you cross those over do you do, do we have any ideas about that i don't know i'm not sure if i do <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is barbecue chicken pizza, which I hey, had okay, that, that's a that <laughs> that's easy. I I I feel dumb for not thinking about that, but of course. <laughs> well, I've I've had it. Uh, I've had different kinds of. I think I've had it from Papa John's. I've had it from Pizza Hut. I've had it from. Uh, you know walmart uh i've had it from you know homemade i think i've made homemade before and each one's a bit different i think that the best way to get it is probably or best way to do it i should say is probably homemade you know just because you can control what barbecue sauce you're putting on what kind of chicken you're putting on all that jazz 
Um, you know, I make a pretty good homemade pizza. And I think that now that we're talking about this, that's going to be the next thing I try because I normally just do pepperoni and cheese. But I think I want to try a barbecue pizza now. Barbecue chicken done right can be really good. Really Heck good. Yeah. I haven't had one in a, quite a while. And, and I'm, in, I'm in this boat now. I'm like, yeah, I really want some barbecue chicken pizza now. Yep, that's <laughs> yeah. on my bucket list for the next, for this weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The only other thing that I'm thinking of is... I don't know. If you want to get crazy, I know there is such thing because I live in the south. I live on the. I live near the coast, and we do have a thing called seafood lasagna. What? And basically, it's traditional lasagna, but with seafood, but with you know shrimp and maybe crawfish and maybe fish. I'm not sure. Oh man! Put into it with more of. A, I think it's more of like an Alfredo sauce. I'm not sure to be honest. I've never had it but it sounds good, and I've heard people rave about it. I'm just off the top of my head wondering, like, you know, what could you do do with barbecue? Like, what could it could it be more like, I don't know, instead of tomato sauce, you have barbecue sauce. Instead of, like, ground beef, you have uh, pork, pulled pork, or chicken or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, you could do, being that lasagna is kind of that classic casserole that layered up, like... Who knows what you could do with that and how you could kind of alter it in a way that would barbecueify it, as I've coined the phrase. Or, I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, I, I, I find that interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think there's so many different foods you could probably do something barbecue with that you just don't think of usually, you know, and, and, yeah, I think pizza is one of those. I think that's probably one of those ones that dawned on somebody one day. Like, wait, you could probably do other stuff than just uh, you know pepperoni on here, and and it was a, a joyous discovery. Yeah, totally agree. So yeah, that, that's that's an idea for you guys. Somebody, hope, hopefully, somebody someday will will take our ideas to, to heart and actually do something with them because I ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I might do it. I might do it. Well, that would be interesting. Yeah, if you, uh, if someone out there decides that you want to do that, yeah, yeah, shoot us, shoot us a, shoot us a, a photo on Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus, because uh, apparently that thing is not existing, probably unless you're listening to this in the past, which means you're a time travel, which means wow, send us more pics. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Real quick, I want to give a shout-out to our patrons. I'm not sure if we've done that yet tonight. And one of them is you, Mr. Jake Damon. What? You are a patron and a host. It's, ho- it's IPC-ception. Just, it's Damon-ception. You'd almost think I like this podcast. I, I'm getting that impression. <laughs> I am just had that inkling just a little bit. Um, so, a uh, big shout out to Joey Mays, Rachel Perry, our good friend Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott, and, and, and Jake Damon for yep. giving us, um, uh, supporting the show and keeping the lights on here and, and making sure we can continue to do this. And if more of you guys would be so kind as to support us, 
um, we'll do even more awesome stuff and go to conventions and stuff and give away free swag and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and just baseline, it helps literally your money helps get this show out to you because we have to pay for web hosting and stuff like that and our Podbean account, which is hosts all our shows that get that distribute out to uh, iTunes and Google Plus and all this. It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. I can't get used to that. Anyway, I, at first I thought maybe a hundred thousand dollars was too much to give, so I did scale it back at the beginning of uh, this year to fifty thousand dollars. So I hope you guys are doing okay. Yeah, we'll we'll make it. I mean, if you, if you, if you wanted to scale up a bit, I mean, we wouldn't mind. I mean, it's fine. I'll reconsider like seventy five thousand, but probably won't go much higher than that. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to play the water bill, to be honest. So <laughs> I got to put bread on my table, too. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Can't give us all your money. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm speaking of you. Thank you, Jake, for joining us. Not just for tonight, but agreeing to uh, come aboard for a little while and share the journey with us. And... Uh, uh, you know, giving us your voice so that you can make the show that much more interesting because it's always more interesting when you're on the show. Well, it's going to be a fun way to decompress at the end of my Fridays or Thursdays or whichever we ever, whichever day we end up doing the show for whatever particular yeah, you never week. really know. <laughs> yeah, it's all, you know, play it by ear. But, um, yeah, I just I'm glad that I have this forum to talk with uh, friends about nerd stuff absolutely absolutely and please for the people that are unfamiliar and including me because i never know i never know what you might be up to tell the people where they can find you elsewhere on the interwebs well i am always doing something different and currently i am creating the see i'm an artist by trade so i've been uh making these cool cartoon characters these little uh, I don't know. I've just been trying to develop a style. So if you want to check out what I'm talking about, you can go over to my Instagram, which is Jake W. Damon. Um, and it'll be that way until I can get my proper tag from a guy whose name isn't even Jake Damon. I would like to be Jake Damon, but for now I'm Jake W. Damon. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you can see my, my latest, uh, uploads there, my art and stuff. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Damon. Um, I have my name over there, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice, nice. And your art is always amazing. And you, you, you see your art in places that I don't think people think realize um, because uh, your art is the basis for our logo, our IPC logo. Oh, yeah. And you did a bunch of designs for the SWU and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, I think my favorite thing I've done for you guys is the pins. The uh, I did a barbecue watch pin. I did uh-huh, a uh-huh. mall a nostalgic pin <laughs> for the SWU. Um, I forget the other one. Oh, it's a trap, the Akbar one. I thought those turned out really cool, dude. And I would love to get my hands on all three of them. I think I only got two or something. Are you but. serious? You don't have them yet? I and I lost those, yeah. Oh. So I don't, I don't know if you have extras, but if you do, send them my way. I'm pretty sure you're the only person on the face of the earth that doesn't have them. <laughs> and I'm the creator. It's just not fair. But uh, yeah, because those things, man, people cannot get enough of them at celebration. Yeah. Like, been to two celebrations already, and they go nuts. Especially the Boa Fett one, just uh, oh, goes. Cool. 
insane. It's insane. And people will walk up to him like, oh, barbecue watch. Yeah. <laughs> they just walk away. They love it. They just, they, yeah. they just can't get enough of them. So, and That's we brought awesome. 75 freaking pounds of those things to Celebration in Chicago. Holy crap. And uh, we gave away pretty much all of them. So, uh, wow. that was insane. Well, I, I remember seeing a picture that Kieran uploaded of him. I think he's sitting in the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones. <laughs> he's at a con somewhere. But he's wearing the shirt, the nostalgic shirt that I designed with Maul on it. And I got to say, there's just nothing more gratifying than seeing your art or whatever you make, like on a shirt or on a pin or something that somebody's wearing. And it's cool. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't want to say validation, but just like confirmation that somebody enjoys what you've made, you know, and that you're the time that you put into it is worth it. So I, I can totally imagine that's gotta be amazing. Yeah. And then I, I, you know, just the t-shirts and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's great. So, so great. So yes, of course. Thanks so much, Jay, for coming on. This was, this was a blast for sure. All right. So, um, before we sign off, I should, point you in the direction of my stuff. You can follow me at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and pretty much everything else that I do is on StarWarsUnderworld.com Of course, the aforementioned Sith Trooper news and all other Star Wars news. There hasn't been a whole lot of it lately, but whatever it is, it's up there on the site. And uh, we also do the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is the other podcast that I do weekly. Uh, we were off last week because 4th of July and Canada Day and all the kind of crazy stuff that was happening. But we're back this week. We're going to be talking about Sith Trooper news and a bunch of other stuff. And that broadcast live on here on channel 1138 at 9 p.m. Eastern and, of course, Friday mornings. Um on the uh, on on the the, st- the website, the StarWarsUnderworld.com. I'm just I I'm really bad at this, as you can tell. I'm just not used to this. I usually let everyone else do this for me, so this, I'm just completely out of my element. But of course, you can follow Zach at Zach underscore DFW on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the IPC podcast at IPC podcast Facebook, Twitter, Instagram find it all over there you can find our host site ipcpodcast.podbean.com every single episode we have there and you can become a patron on ipcpodcast.podbean.patron.com i believe no it's patron.podbean.com slash ipcpodcast see i'm screwing all this up i have no idea what i'm doing you think you've never done this before ben yeah i actually no i haven't (laughs) I have a couple times, but it's been a while, all right? Just give me a break. And, of course, we talked about t-shirts earlier. tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast is where you can find our own swag. And you can get all kinds of crazy shirts, t-shirts, you name it. We got it up there. And it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. All right. So, I think without further ado... This wraps up the 246th episode of the IPC Podcast. My name is Ben Hart. For Jake and Zach and all of us at the IPC Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And before we leave you, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought. With great power comes great responsibility. We hope you're responsible enough to join us next week on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. 
He's a menace to the entire city! I want that wall-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I want him strung up by his web! I want Spider-Man!